This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. If you're enjoying this podcast in Manawatu, you could make your very own, just like this one. NPR exists to help people like you tell your story or share your passion on air and online. Check out npr.nz for more information. Hello there, how you doing? It's uh, Kevin Riley here and welcome to Irish Time here on the Manawatu People's Radio in Palmerston North. And it's another, uh, you know, it's uh, not a bad day outside. Cool. At least the, the sun is trying to get through, but it is uh, a really strong wind that makes it quite a, a cool day, in fact. Anyway, I've got, I'll just go through some of the stuff from the BBC Northern Ireland, some Dublin papers, some Ari, uh, Belfast papers, etc., etc. It's, uh, you know, it's difficult because it's quite a you know, stuff that I read mostly, but I see rather it's mostly uh, you know just a violent place, just like everywhere else in the world today. Unfortunately, you know people get murdered and stabbing, and oh, it is it's kind of a grim world in which we live. But anyway, start with something totally different: bird flu, suspected infection from uh, found at Castle Espy Reserve. Disease control measures have been introduced at Caspel Lesbian in County Down after a case of bird flu was found in samples collected from uh, captive birds. The Department of Agriculture said a 1.5 million restriction zone is in place around uh, the reserve. It means that all poultry and uh, captive birds must be kept indoors or otherwise separate from wild birds. Uh, further tests are being carried out to confirm the strain. Uh, flock owners from commercial to backyard keepers have been advised to review their biosecurity measures. Isn't it amazing? Biosecurity measures for chickens. Castle uh, SP said its wetland centre is temporarily closed and that it is taking measures to prevent the spread of the, the disease any further. It apologised to people planning to visit and said anyone who had uh, uh, bought tickets could you know, get a refund. The worst ever outbreak of the high... Pathonic is it Asian influenza strain on these islands began in uh, October 2021. More than 180, 180 cases had been confirmed throughout the UK in the past 12 months, including six in Northern Ireland. But there have been no uh, detections in commercial flocks since February 2022. Six Indians have also been confirmed in the Republic of Ireland. Uh, what I read there was something like it was 20 million birds may have to be sort of uh, put down. It's just, you know, amazing that the, what this uh, infection can do to these animals, you know, the, the chickens. And it can happen here as well as anywhere else. It's just, you have to be on your guard at all times. So that, <clears throat> I keep you up with a play with that because I'm sort of, I always feel it's sad, you know, so many birds have to be put away. Anyway, this is a bit of uh, good news. Something I never really talk about is, you know, uh, sports when I'm doing this programme. Because I'm not really that... I, mean, I, I take an interest in sports, but I just don't bore people with it, etc., etc. You know, I just don't... The only sport I'm really interested in is actually football, you know, as opposed as soccer, you would call it here. Rugby and stuff like sports, they're just kind of... They're, they're, to me, they're irrelevant. They're stuff that I don't take a big interest in whatsoever. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Ireland are through to the World Cup in 2023, uh, which is going to be held here in Australia and New Zealand. <coughs> Amber Barnett watches her shot goes past Scotland's goalkeeper in the 72nd minute 
uh, to score a goal. The only one of the game, which is enough to put the Republic of Ireland national women's football team into the next World Cup, which is being played here, uh, <coughs> shared here between Australia and New Zealand. Yeah, they were waiting. The Portuguese had a win in their game over Iceland, and they did 4-1 uh, early in the day, meant that they could qualify directly for the tournament next summer. Um, so if they won, so that is it. They're on their way through. Isn't that amazing? They certainly do a lot more than the men football team. And I think this Ireland, Irish women's football team are actually mixed as in north and south. You know, they don't, the border doesn't sort of come up India, as it were, whereas in Irish football, you know, male football, Irish soccer, it's, uh, you know, Northern Ireland, the Republic of Ireland. And I've been arguing for decades and decades that they should sort of forget about that and actually try and, you know, pick a team from both sides, no matter what foot you kick with, Northern Ireland, Republic of Ireland, and have a decent team because they've never, ever, ever had a good team in Northern Ireland for decades. They've always get beaten and they sort of, uh, all these managers and people just make out as if like, oh no, the next time we're going to be there, we're making it, we're going to get there. When it's just nonsense. It's just rhetoric. It doesn't actually go anywhere. And anyway, the most important and most talked about item in uh, Ireland, North and South, have been the, Dun- the, the, the explosion there in Donegal that killed uh, ten, 10 people, etc., etc. And it, it, I mean, it's just gone on and on and on. It's just it's an absolute tragedy. It was uh, based on, a, you know, I don't know if it was gas was the leakage, but I don't know if it was actually, you know, gas bottles or what. They're still working on it, etc., etc. So we've got some stuff here from uh, the politicians. Uh, UK Labour leader <coughs> offers his condolences to the families on the second day of funerals. UK leader uh, Kenneth Keir Sammer and other members of the British Parliament have paid tribute to the victims <coughs> of the tragedy. <coughs> Pardon me. After the fifth of, uh, of ten victims has been led to rest. Speaking during Prime Minister's question time in the House of Commons today, Sammer began his address acknowledging Friday's explosion at the service station in the country down the Golf uh, village. I offer my heartfelt uh, condolences to the families of all those who uh, tragically lost their lives at Cresslock last week. Donegal is uh, a, a special place for my family and me, and across the house, the people there are still in our thoughts. He had previously told the Irish News that he spent his honeymoon in the area and fell in love with the place as soon as he arrived. Uh, yesterday, Labour MP for uh, Wolverhampton, South uh, southeast. Pat McFadden also expressed his sorrow to the house, saying, I wish to spend my condolence to the family of all those killed in the tragedy. Uh, my parents came from quite nearby. It is a beautiful place with a close-knit community, and they are very, very much in our prayers at this present point in time. McFadden's parents emigrated from uh, the area, uh, uh, which is just less than 15 kilometres from West uh, Creflot. I'm shocked and saddened by the tragic loss in life. My deepest sympathies go out to the families and friends who have lost loved ones and to their entire community of the, the area as they came together in their moment of grief. And that was from the Prime Minister Liz Truss. In the House of Commons yesterday, Dennis uh, Rogan of the Ulster Unionist Party also paid tribute to the 10 victims and acknowledged that it was his first time speaking in the House since the death of his colleague David Trimble. Rogan said that he had often attended funeral services in the county with symbols such as the funerals of the children killed in the 2016 Bunkrana Pier tragedy. 
Uh, we wanted to stand united <clears throat> with the wonderful people of Donegal in their time of unspeakable grief. I'm sure that I speak for the whole house when I say that I've always stand with the people of Donegal today as they come together in tragic circumstances for the funerals of Jesse Gallagher <clears throat> and Martin McGill. UK uh, Prime Minister also issued a statement, like I said earlier, <clears throat> which I read out earlier, rather, uh, that the DUP uh, leader, Geoffrey Donaldson, said that he, he wished his party to be associated with the, the remarks of condolences in the House of Commons, adding, our prayers continue to be with that, that devastated community. Doesn't do a lot for me, that guy, Donaldson. You know, it's kind of empty words, really. Uh, Ian Blackford, leader of the Scottish National Party in the House of Commons, also expressed his condolences on behalf of his party. Earlier today, President uh, Michael D. Higgins hailed the efforts of the emergency service from Northern Ireland who had uh, helped in the aftermath of the explosion. He spoke before attending the funeral mass of Catherine O'Donnell and her son James Monaghan and uh, has pledged to be at each funeral of the victims. It shows that we share... Uh, it's what we share and what our immediate human instincts of wanting to share respond to. So good on him. Uh, these uh, no no borders whatsoever, and that is the way it should be. I think it's really building up what we can, what we can share, and what we can do together. This is the way to go. Very often, the instincts of the heart, the instincts of the spirit, are what are, are important. He added that the solidarity of the local community was something he was very proud of. The way they are holding together is a great example. I think it's inspirational the way people, not just in Donegal but all over Ireland, have all been responding and bringing and being able to reveal their feelings and how their hearts have been breaking. So good on him, and I think it is. Uh, you know, the president sort of coming out with stuff like that. It is heartbreaking for a lot of people, and it does cross all board. I mean, it's kind of humanity, isn't it? At the end of the day, as opposed to. You know, Northern Ireland, Republic of Ireland. It's just because apparently, you know, a lot of people from, uh, you know, fire brigades and sort of emergency people sort of left from even from far as Belfast, apparently, uh, you know, took off to uh, Donegal to see what they could do, which was just absolutely brilliant. You know, helicopters, ambulances, etc., etc. Anyway, but we're still on the same subject, by the way. Britain's King Charles and the Pope Francis sent a message of sympathy. Britain's King Charles has sent a message of condolences to President Michael D. Higgins. Uh, my wife and I were filled with immense sadness when we learned about the appalling tragic uh, explosion at Crosslock in County Donegal. We remember with gr- the greatest fondness meeting people from across Donegal when we visited in 2016 and the strong sense of community that exists there. However inadequate that this may be under the under such shattering circumstances, we wanted you to know that our most heartfelt sympathy and deepest condolences are with all those families and the friends who have lost their fats, their loved ones. The message was signed Charles R. He follows uh, follow a message of condolences written by Prime Minister uh, Liz Trust. The Pope, Pope Francis, also sent a message of sympathy to the people of Donegal following the explosion. Uh, that claimed 10 lives. A letter to the Bishop of Rapu, isn't it? Yeah, I can't read my writing here. From a representative of the Pope said, His uh, Holiness Pope Francis was sadly to learn of the loss of life and destruction caused by the explosion in the area, and he expresses his spirited uh, closeness to all those suffering at this tragic time because of the tragedy. While entrusting the deceased to the merciful love of Almighty God, His Holiness implores 
the divine blessing of condolences and healing upon the injured, the displaced, and the families coping with pain and great loss. As a pledge of strength and peace in the Lord, the Holy Father sends his blessings to all the people of Ireland. The message arrived in as vigils took place and emergency service praised members of the community which helped uh, the scene of the devastating explosion. So it was, like I said, it was both the only news in Ireland in the last few days and it's still the only news as uh, these people are getting buried. It really did unite Ireland, unfortunately, uh, you know, because of a, <clears throat> a total, another tragedy. So what else have we got here? Right. This is all efforts needed to avoid fresh storm at elections. Because there's still arguing the toss over there up in the north about what's going on. It's going to be interesting, actually, because I think there will be an election myself because uh, the trust government in London, in, in Westminster, is, are in all sorts of trouble. And I think the Northern Ireland Protocol will not even be on their agenda anywhere near it. All efforts must be made to find an alternative to fresh storm at elections. Foreign Minister Simon Covey has said, Covey was in Belfast where he held talks with the Sinn Féin the Alliance Party, the Ulster Unionist Party, and the SDLP. Interesting, not the Democratic Unionists, who are the, you know, the mainstay for stopping all this. The DUP is blocking the functioning of the power-sharing institution in Belfast as part of its protest against the Northern Ireland Protocol and has created barriers uh, on the movement of goods between Great Britain and Northern Ireland. The UK government has vowed to ensure changes to the protocol, either by way of um, negotiated compromise with the EU or through postponed uh, domestic legislation that would empower ministers to scrap the arrangements without the approval of Brussels. That'll be interesting. Relations between the UK and Europe appear to be have improved since Liz Truss became Prime Minister. And London and Brussels have been talking up the, uh, the potential for a deal through fresh negotiations. Current legislation says that, that unless Norman is restored by the 28th of October, Northern Ireland, uh, sort of uh, home, Northern Ireland's secretary, rather, Chris Hayton House, has uh, said he's going to hold new elections. Uh, elections is something uh, they're, they're prepared to do. He said it's not something we want to do, but we are prepared to do. Communists said that a deal between the UK and you between the 20th of October is not realistic. It's not really either. Isn't it? It's only a few, no, not a few days away, but a, a week or two. I'm speaking to the Secretary of State on quite a regular basis, and we are uh, going to, to be working together quite intensely over the next few weeks to try and create the conditions to allow all parties in Ireland to believe that they can move back into the, uh, the space to establish an executive and a functioning assembly. Basically, have a government because, you know, the cost of living and a number of other issues they have there, they need some kind of government, some sort of leadership, and not to be blocked by the DUP who are just, uh, you know, bad losers, really in my view. In doing so, the momentum and encouragement for the one party uh, that's willing to re-enter the negotiation is, not, is now worth, t- it's worth taking that jump for. They have to do it. It is time to, to agree common grounds so we can put issues to bed. And that's the key word here, common ground. No matter whether you're unionist or Sinn Féin or whatever, it's common ground. All the people live there and they expect leadership and someone to be sort of, you know, a group of, uh, you know, the, the government be taking part in moving forward, getting things done, coming to some sort of resolutions, whether people like it or do not like it, but at least something's being done. I suppose it'll be um, imposed directly from Westminster if nothing uh, moves, uh, which is in no one's interest, really. We've been there before and it never worked properly. 
We saw yesterday for the first time a downturn in, in employment and the impact it will have on individual people's lives. You know, it seems that despite all of that, the DUP are willing to use the pain of people of Northern Ireland as leverage on the protocol. They just want to get back to be the main party and that's, hopefully that's not going to happen. Sinn Féin President, uh, Vice President rather, Michelle O'Neill said it was not acceptable that an executive of that Stormont had been, not been formed. This is uh, one party, which uh, there is only one party that is blocking up. We need the DUP to join with the rest of us. We need to be around the executive table. We need to be talking, taking decisions in the interest of the people. Here, here, I agree that's, that's got to happen. We need to be strong, a strong voice against what is happening in Britain. The fact that mortgage interests are going through the roof and affecting pensions, it is ridiculous that we don't have a government in place. But DUP leader Jeffrey Donaldson has said any agreement over the poor must produce an outcome which is acceptable to unionists. He said not, whether Northern Ireland's prisoner is restored by a notiated outcome by the Parliament is a matter of faith. I mean, they're kind of paranoid about... There's going to be a you know a United Ireland tomorrow. I don't I don't think there's going to be a referendum, but I I wouldn't put my money on it to say that everybody in the north and the south would want to see a united country. We hope that negotiations can be produced an outcome which is acceptable to unions. But we're mindful that we tried working uh, for the last two years, negotiating at the same time for Brussels to uh, <clears throat> move on and make progress in that period. I note that the Prime Minister's uh, commitment today to find an outcome in talks which replicates the Northern Ireland protocol. The government must recognise that the checks are but a symptom that Northern Ireland is subject to a different set of laws imposed upon us by a foreign entity, We're basically Brussels, without any say or vote or by any elected representative of the people of Northern Ireland. We uh, set seven, uh, seven tests last year. We set seven tests last year. That is the yardstick we will use to measure any appropriate any progress uh, from that time. Devolution um, can have a stable enduring effect, but it must be built on solid foundations. I mean, he is just playing for himself, that guy. I don't think he's really, you know, hugely interested in trying to get, uh, you know, a formation of a government of any any representation at all, unless he is the leader of that party. And still on politics, what have we got here? This is from the Belfast Telegraph. The Irish language and also Scots legislation, uh, next step, despite unionism, you know, moves on to the next step in the House of Commons, despite unionist, of course, opposition. Long awaited legislation around the Irish language and Ulster Scots has passed its second reading in the House of Commons. Uh, it comes despite unionist opposition in the chamber with DUP MPs questioning why a proposed Ulster Scots language commissioner would not have the same powers as one for the Irish language as outlined in the language and identity bill, Northern Ireland bill. In the House of Commons, MPs voted 384 and four against the language and identity bill. It represents a majority of 376. Upper ban uh, MP Carl Lockhart claimed the legislation is a reward for those who have weaponised the Irish language for decades. But the uh, minister said the bill was crucial to future community cohesion in the north of Ireland. Le- legislative uh, protections for the Irish language in Northern Ireland were a key plank of the new decade, new approach agreement that they all signed up to some time back. However, an impasse over forming a new executive in Belfast continues after May's election. That's what I said about this no government. Everything is just kind of piling up and it's just going nowhere. You just kind of wonder where these, what kind of planet they live on. You know, They obviously don't live in the, the same world as the vast majority of um, average uh, 
you know, Belfast people or Northern Ireland people, they just live on a different planet and they see things in a different light. Uh, I think it's about time they got out on the streets and walked the streets and get a bit of feedback. The draft law also proposes two, co- two commission rules, one for the Irish language and another for the Ulster Scots. Uh, Mr. Uh, Miss Lockwood, rather, told the Commons the DUP would vote against the bill, uh, the, second, uh, the second reading, and would table amendments, and should these changes not be made, we would continue to oppose it. Uh, this legislation, rather than addressing the, the facilitation and respect uh, for language and identity, is in fact a reward for those who have weaponized the Irish language for decades. And uh, saying, adding that the bill would result in language and identity being a more pertinent weapon than that causes greater damage. Miss Lockhart said consensus and cross community support are normally uh, deemed the cornerstone of the political process in Northern Ireland, but warned the bill removes that cornerstone. Is Andrew MP Sammy Wilson, dear old Sammy? Always, always has to have his say. Uh, claimed that the Northern Ireland Secretary, uh, Chris Harrison, uh, Harrison Harris, had quickly glossed over the whole of the two commissioners, telling the MPs this is one of the ways in which this does not faithfully reflect what was uh, agreed in the new decade new approach uh, meeting. The Commissioner for Irish Language will have the power to direct other public bodies and that will have significant impact specifically on some unions-controlled councils, depending on the decisions he makes. Ah, oh dear, what can you do? I mean, this, you know, dear old Sammy, you know, he's basically, you know, even in America, he would be a Trumpite. You know what I mean? He's kind of one of these kind of conspiracy type guys. He's just kind of someone who should definitely get out and walk around the streets and talk to some real people, you know? Anyway, anyway, what have we got here? This is, this is from the Irish Echo, okay? This is... Uh, Ireland's Future, it was a meeting they held, I think it was in Dublin, we'll find out. Ireland's Future is uh, well-named. It's a landmark, a landmark last Saturday held in Dublin was all about the future of Ireland. Saturday's conference was an ambitious project. Over 30 uh, participants addressed 5,000 citizens. Mm, that's a reasonable number. Uh, Ten political parties with five party leaders, along with leaders from civic uh, society and uh, the arts, talking about their desire to achieve a united Ireland. Mm. And music and dance were also were there as well as part of the the makeup of the conference. That was a remarkable achievement. Uh, the audience was excited, engaged, and, and respectful. The tiered thousands listened attentively, applauded, and enthusiastically. Hope was in the air. It's good that uh, the deputy prime minister was there. Unfortunately, the, the prime minister himself was not. Was, uh, you know, Dublin people. There were uh, interesting and insightful contributions from those who were uh, were unionists and there were those on personal journeys of discovery. Ben Collins, the Reverend Karen Scissorman, Andrew Clark, and Peter Adair, and said that they had they had moved from unionism to advocating for unity. These are people I've never heard of, by the way. Uh, for Peter Durr, it was the Brexit vote in 2016 that opened his mind to other possibilities. Andrew Clark is for progressive p- politics on, on same-sex marriage and women's health and didn't see his views reflected in political unionism. Well, they're not. Uh, ben Collins remarked that uh, he and the Reverend Karen Sutherman are from East Belfast, a nice part of the world. Uh, we want people from East Belfast to do well. What we need uh, to point out is that Britain uh, doesn't really care for Northern Ireland, and they don't care for us. And I sort of, uh, I've got some 
some degree, I, I agree with that. I think you know, I don't think people in the UK are remotely interested in Northern Ireland and haven't been for quite some time. I mean, it just cost the lives of thousands of British soldiers as well as you know civilians in Belfast and Northern Ireland itself, and uh, cost them billions, possibly now, in uh, you know maintaining some kind of peace and order over there. So the, the meeting was, uh, it sounded like it was really good, uh, just to listen to hear what people had to say. Uh, the three arena uh, was buzzing as the thousands headed home. If you had been enthused by then, but uh, you, would have, you would have become active. If you're already active, do more. The Good Friday Agreement was his provision for a united referendum and his commitment to um, defend and protect the rights of all citizens is a bedrock of, of the philosophy that drives this movement of United Irelanders. So, uh, all in all, it sounded like it was quite an event, which is good to hear. <laughs> oh, I've got some stuff here about Jerry Adams, but I think I'll read that next week, actually, because it's quite a, a number of pages of it. Until then, you take care and enjoy your weekend. And uh, let's hope the weather sort of holds out. You know, the sun is coming out now, but it is cool. But it always is at this time of year. You know, I think springtime is always the worst time to be in New Zealand. So they're usually wet and windy, no matter what part of the country you're in. Never particularly cold, you know, just wet and windy. Anyway, on that note, I will love you and leave you. And you take care and be kind of uh, one another, okay? See you later. Bye. If you enjoy this NPR podcast, please consider subscribing. Our podcasts are available on all major podcasting platforms. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify, as well as the accessmedia.nz app. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate.